0: Hey guys, Brian Jodis here for this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. And this one's brought to you by my friends at Allbirds. Go to allbirds.com. They've got loads of great shoes, socks, apparel. It's excellent. I'm wearing a pair of men's tree dasher ones right now. They're my favorite, just casual, hanging around, working, got to throw a sneaker on and go kind of shoe. And if you go to their website right now, allbirds.com, those tree dashers are on sale. And here's the best part. We're going to get you a free pair of socks. If you spend over 50 bucks at allbirds.com and you use the code Socks" at checkout, you throw a pair of socks in your cart, they're going to be free, just like that. They're throwing some free socks at you. Go to allbirds.com, get whatever you need, spend over 50 bucks, use the code Socks," and save today some of the most comfortable shoes in the game. It's allbirds.com and use our promo code Socks." and get you a free pair of socks today on them. Thank you guys for the partnership. At 4 a.m., while on watch, Captain J.C. Soto received an interesting call. His helicopter crew stationed at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana was needed to rescue a 62-year-old man stuck in his snowbound hunting cabin. Soto and his team sprung into action for an incredible story about picking up the six. And he joins us on this show to share that story. Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six podcast, and I'm excited to have this one today. Captain J.C. Soto is going to join us, and he was part of a crew that quite literally picked somebody six up. You had a guy that was struggling. Uh, winter weather came in in the Montana area, and these guys had to spring into action to help a civilian. And it's a bit of a different sort of military story. You know, you guys often think about you know our military members in uniform heading down range and through wartime efforts for what they do, but there's so much that's involved in in rescue missions. And in fact, we go all the way back, if you guys remembered, episode two of this podcast where we talked to Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Spanky Peterson, who was part of an Air Force Reserve crew out of Arizona that ends up in Afghanistan during the global war on terror. And these guys, their biggest training was in sort of search and rescue. And they were tasked with on that day, in a Pave Hawk helicopter rescuing Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, during Operation Red, Wing, Red Wings. And so all the training that goes into the work that these men and women do, it gets put into different scenarios. So with that as the backdrop, Captain Soto, it's great to have you today. How are you?
1: Thanks. Glad to be here. I'm doing good. How are you
0: doing? I'm doing great. Thrilled to do this. You know, it's funny. Um, my dad, Air Force guy, uh, 36 years in the Air Force. My brother, major in the Space Force. So obviously big fan of what you guys are doing. But from time to time, he'll send me articles. And he mm. sent me an article from, uh, I think it was the Air Force website, man, af.mil. He's like, look at what these guys did. This is a pick up the sixth story, going to help this 62-year-old guy who was in some serious pain in a snowbound home. And I was like, he said, you should get him on the show. I said, you know, roger that, sir. Anytime the general tells me to do something, we tend right. to do it, right? right. So, uh, so we, man, we we reached out and we got connected to public affairs and, and here we are to share the story. So I thought that was kind of funny the way it it all works itself out. So when the, you know, when the, when the general says to do something, JC, you know, we, we hop to it.
1: I feel it. I feel it.
0: It's <laughs> good, man. Hey, how'd you get in the air force? We're going to talk about your crew and right. Helping that individual who's in need, but man, captain in the air force. Uh, I just love to know your story a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, um, kind of a classic story. Um, uh, my grandfather served and then my dad, they were both guardsmen, uh, in Arizona. That's where we're from. Um, and then I decided to break the mold a little bit, go active duty. Uh, and I went to Northern Arizona University, yeah. did Rossi there.
0: Flagstaff, right?
1: Oh yeah, go Jacks. It's the best.
0: Lumberjacks, uh, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's gorgeous up there. Um, yeah. So went there, did Rossi there, commissioned out of there, uh, grabbed a pilot slot. Um I did the class. They've kind of changed it a little bit. So I did the fixed wing training first, pilot yeah. training up at uh, Enid, Oklahoma, Vance Air Force Base. Yeah, man. Uh, and then a couple I,
0: years. I spent a couple of years in Wichita Falls. Okay, that's on Shepard Air Force Base, not too far from where you are in Oklahoma, but
1: yeah. Uh, they actually it's funny. I'd never seen a section line before. They're like, "Hey, you're going to get up in the air, and it's going to look like patchwork, like quilts." And I'm like, "What?" Okay. And I remember, I'll never forget. Like first time, you're so busy, right? You're running a checklist. You're trying to talk and fly, and I'm. I remember like looking out of the cockpit and then like literally for miles and miles and miles, it looked like quilt work. Does that part of the country with all the different forms and the
0: That's Right. And then it's
1: funny. A little funny. bit of gray,
0: a little bit of green, a little bit of brown, a right. little bit of, yeah.
1: Yeah. Use it to navigate too. You're like, okay, you got to go a couple miles. You can count the lines, but um, yeah. way different from Arizona, right? Grew up and raised in Arizona. So uh different part of the country for sure. Kind of a, a shock. Um, but yeah. So after T6s, I, I elected to go rotors. So um, it kind of branches off and you go down to Fort Rucker, Alabama. Uh, they have a little Air uh, Air Force-like detachment there. Uh, the 23rd Flight 20 Squadron is awesome. They fly the TH-1, so it's a Huey, but it's got some upgrades. Single engine, yep, yep. got a glass cockpit. It's a beautiful aircraft. Um, an awesome program down there. Uh, loved it. Had a good time. Um, and then I actually, I'm new to the Huey world, the N-Model world. I actually flew the HH-60G Pave So I, I flew, uh, I, my first station was at Nellis, the C-6 Rescue Combat Search and Rescue.
0: Yep. Um, Las so Vegas, spent,
1: right? Yep. Out of Las Vegas. So I spent uh, about two and a half years there. Got two diplomas with those guys. Uh, and at the end, um, the wife and I uh, made some changes, uh, put in for Huey's. Uh, some people made some stuff happen behind the scenes, really did me a favor. And uh, after we had the kiddo and uh, we came to Malmstrom, which is awesome, because it's like, this was my first choice, like fly an end model in Montana. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So um,
0: so where are you guys? Tell me a little bit about that area. I've never been yeah. there. I don't know much about it. I've got a good friend who's from Montana and he talks about sort of Maelstrom Air Force Base. And in our upbringing, it was never a place that we went right. uh, or visited or anything like that. It was just my dad's trajectory and fighters and everything. It just, that wasn't yeah. an area we ever went or knew anything about.
1: For sure. No, it's uh, the same. Um, I'd heard about it from the, a lot of my buddies went Huey's. Right, small, it's kind of a smaller program at uh, Rucker, but I, I'd quite never, I'd never heard of it. Um, so they consider it like central Montana, but I would say like north central, we're pretty far up in yeah. the north tier basis. It's one of three missile bases, uh, major missile bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it because it's kind of a confluence of you have the Rocky Mountain range to your west. You got some smaller mountain ranges to the south and southeast. Uh, it's not quite, quite open plains, right? You're not looking like Nebraska or anything like that or Kansas. Uh, cause you can see, you visually can see all the mountain ranges, uh, but it does have that kind of plains butts up against the, the foothills, which obviously butts up against the mountains. Um, it's, oh shoot. You're probably an hour plus flight time to Canada. Um, you're close enough to the Northwest that we can make a day flight to like Spokane and all that mm. kind of stuff. It's awesome. I love it. It's uh, but super, super mountainous rock, big mountains, big, you know, stuff like that. You have like the little belts, the high woods, um, obviously the Rocky mountain chain. So uh, that's what's kind of surrounding this area. Nice. Um, it, it's a little unique because uh, actually, Malmstrom doesn't have an active runway, uh, which makes it kind of strange. Uh, yeah. so it,
0: that is a little different,
1: yeah, yeah, no. So, I that was new to me too. I remember the first time coming from Nellis, right? Big fighter weapons school, yeah, the runway closed off all the time. And like you get out here, and there's just a helicopter movement area, what's this called? And it's like I can just walk right onto it, I can walk from my building directly to the helicopter, uh, in a matter of like 50 yards. It, it's awesome. We're the wow, only dude. like uh, flying show in town. Uh, I love it. It's, um, it's really close to great falls, uh, internet international airport. So we have that airspace, but otherwise it's, it's just us here. It's the helicopters.
0: You get a chance to ski uh big sky at all and enjoy any of that kind of life out there.
1: Look, man, I, uh, we're going to get into fly fishing, but I stay away from the ski and going <laughs> to my buddies. It would always be like, dude, you got to come, we got to hit the mountain. They always come back and like, Crutches or in some kind of brain. right, right. No, yeah. no, no I'm dude. good on all no, that. I'm good. I'll, I'll but watch. You like
0: fly? You like fly fishing in that area, right? Plenty to yeah. do. Yeah,
1: we're getting We're just getting into. We got here. So we got here in June. Like I said, we, we came from a different base, and so we got here in June. Kind of got all settled in. By the time we realized what awesomeness we had at our doorstep, mm. the weather had rolled in. Um, but we we I went out to a couple times to uh, just the Missouri, went on the mow and kind of waited in and stuff. So we're hoping to get into that as it starts to thaw here.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's go back to uh November the 13th, right? That's yeah. when this uh instance went down and basically paint the paint the picture for me, man. Tell our listeners just what happened on that day and what you guys were tasked with doing because it, you're you're essentially doing kind of search and rescue on, on somebody who is in some some peril, in some need yeah. and uh call, call on the good guys, bring in the Air Force.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like a like a whole process for this uh through the Air Force CC the air force uh, rescue coordination center. Um, and what, how it, how it came down to me. So it was my first, uh, standby alert shift. So the idea is like, you're not, not living in the building, which we can do. We can do 24 seven alert and we're, 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 getting up to that level. But, um, it was, you know, just, uh, have your phone on, you have it on gotcha. you know, the ringer loud, um, you know, have your uniform ready and all that kind of stuff. And I live on base. So it, it makes it my life really easy. Uh, my wife was actually out of town. It was my first alert shift. So I was like, you know what? My parents wanted to come see Montana. Anyway, anyways, come up, um, and, if you guys could just hang out, just in case anything happens, because I had uh, we have eighteen month old, so I was like, just, I gotta go. When I gotta go, it's good Keep to have some up. backup. Right, right, right. Backup, anyways. Right, so get to yeah, sleep. Yeah, but uh, yep. they, uh, yeah. So, but you know, everyone was like, take it seriously. But we haven't been called in a while. You know, it, it's um, it's your first alert shift too. So right, it'd be fine. No way. Right. Call at like I think it was like four a.m. This first call I got uh, from it was kind of indirect the, uh, security forces folks, um, uh, that are at the 40th that are, were, um, a combined, uh, squadron, they integrate with us, uh, hold also hold like a, basically like a phone alert. They're sitting always on duty. There's an airman on duty. they gotten the call from the sheriff. And, and this process had started, um, kind of at the same time, right? So people are coordinating with the air force rescue coordination center, and we are getting a call through us, like, Hey, wake everybody up, let's go. And so I was the first one to get the call. Um, cause I live on base and it was like, Hey. I need you to come to the squadron like now and start figuring out because get the truth data. Like how far is this? Uh, what's the feasibility? What's the weather looking like? Yeah. And I'm like, Whoa, cause I'm just, I'm just a copilot. I, 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 At this, I point,
0: like, this is pretty serious, something's going on that needs our help. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, um, I'm not the aircraft commander. Like I said, I, I started fresh here. So like I have some experience doing this. I used to do the, the combat search and rescue thing. So I'm thinking that way, but as far as Hueys go and this base and the protocol, I'm like, Whoa, okay. I'll get there first. So I, I remember I wake my dad up and I was like, Hey pops, like, I actually got i got to go he's like what really and i'm like yeah i got i got i got to go what right. sleep but like i'll call you when i can uh yeah so you're on here i am yeah yeah i got i got a call It's like hey older gentleman stuck back in a pretty rural part of uh montana uh, i didn't even know what that meant like north south how far what's like what's distress mean like so uh i got into the squadron and i beat everybody there cuz i live on base and so Um, they had already been called, so they're coming in and I started checking the weather, checking to make sure everyone was like legal to go the go, no go items. Just Just trying to do like the basic, keep my world really small. Uh, and be like, okay, like what, what do I know how to do and what what can I knock off? And at the time the weather looked okay. Uh, maintenance already arrived and we started that process and we were waiting for the go ahead. So make sure the commander knew what exactly was going on. And the AFRCC could assign a mission number to us because we can't launch. I'll say that number, because there's a lot of levels between us and a rescue, you know, the, you have, uh, all the local, like the sheriff's department, can they get there by land, like by the ground. And then after that, there's like some local, um, third-party companies that actually get involved yeah. search and rescue companies that get involved in this. And if they can't go, it, it comes to us. Right. So, so how
0: yeah. does it get elevated to you guys then? Is that sort of the chain of w- in which it's got it? Like they call does, did the guy call nine one one? They go to so, the sheriff, then it goes to somebody else. And they're like, we got to send the big guns in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It's exactly, it, it, it's kind of like that, right? So you got to make sure we, uh, we're using the right resources. And so sure. apparently, th- and this was this is what I was told. He he called 911. He's like, hey, I got this kind of pain. Uh, apparently he was post-surgery like two weeks. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a heart surgery or whatever, but serious enough to call 911 was like, I can't get a uh, any kind of ambulance back there. So call the sheriff. Starts coordinating with the sheriff, just like directly on the cell- his cell phone. He's back up in this cabin, this hunting cabin. Sheriff's like, I can't even get back there. He's like, I might be able to get my snowmobiles in a couple hours. So wow. this guy, poor guy had sat for hours by the time we got called trying to get, and then so like, right, we'll call Mercy Flight, which based out of Great Falls.
0: Yep. Same uh, idea, right? Send an emergency helicopter to go get him.
1: Send a helicopter. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I didn't get all, all the details, but there's two things there. Mercy Flight doesn't have a hoist. And uh, so they can't get in to the trees if, if necessary, or like those restricted areas to get into. And two, they, they were out of the, the question, the fight really early. And I don't know if it was like a crew issue, a weather issue, but we were just all mercy flights, not in. And so then they try to look around for like local sheriffs with air assets, you know, maybe a weird one-off department of Homeland. Are they in the area? Are they operating? And all those were no, right? So we're hitting all the wickets of like, nope, nope, nope. Okay. Contact AFRCC. We know we have this rotary wing asset with a hoist, um, send it up to them. They'll run their checklist. The one through their chain of command, they'll talk to our chain of command. And then if it's a go. They give us a mission number that also kind of pays for it, right? Make sure like yeah, yeah, sure. Mostly, like, I mean, it's it's a, a lot of moving parts, assets.
0: man. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about you're talking about big deal government assets, right? Yeah, got to yeah. make sure everything's in line, right? Right you You want to just go save this guy, I'm sure, as fast as you can, but there's just a lot of sort of checks and balance, right? Sure nobody goes rogue, honestly, in an instant yeah. like that, which is what you don't want to do. Hey, what's I want to talk about sort of the actual logistics are going to get him and like mm-hmm. what the crew does and all that. What are weather conditions like on this day? Why was it so bad? So uh,
1: initially it, w- it was just cold, right? Winter weather style conditions. We were getting into uh, that early uh, winter, but the, the issue was it's, it's not when it's really cold, right. It actually could be on your side because everything freezes, mm-hmm. right. It, it doesn't accumulate as well. Uh, the helicopters, the run the helicopters run great when it's cold. Um, it was that kind of in between, right. Where it's, you know, you get around the 30 degrees F 32 degrees F. So you're freezing. You're not freezing. It accumulates. Right. And that also makes the precip a certain way that it likes to stick to helicopters. Oh. Yeah. Precipitation. Right. Also lowers the visibility at notification. It was okay. It was, I think uh, like, you know, a couple miles, miles, few miles of visibility. The ceilings were call them a, a couple thousand feet. It just like, okay, those, these are, we're in the icing conditions. We're in that temperature dew point spread, right? When you get within three degrees, that's when you can get onset of fog really quick and freezing fog. So we're like, it could be bad, but, uh, I think we had had some snow on the ground too, just a little bit. So it was like, okay, it's, it, it looks like it might get worse too. That was forecasted to get worse. But right now we're legal to launch, uh, this is life limb. Um, and so I think let's go, I don't know how that played in with mercy flight. Once again, like I said, I haven't got to talk to them, but, uh, they were out, we were legal to go. Uh, from the moment we were notified, uh, it did get worse, a lot worse, but, uh, yeah. Right, so, but,
0: so by the time you get that call, right. That initial call right, to crew assembled, right. Huey in route to go get help. This guy, how, how much time is passing here?
1: Um, actually read the, uh, after action again, before we came on, just to make sure, sure I had it right. Uh, it's, it was an hour before we broke. Skins. Wow. yeah, no, That's it's pretty, pretty damn good. I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. <laughs> The guys, the maintenance guys came really came in uh, and, and crushed it in that, like, they got the aircraft. So the aircraft were tucked away, too. They weren't on the pad ready to go. So they have to tow this thing, make sure it's configured right. Because um, the hoist on the Huey and the end model actually comes on and off. Yeah. Uh, So you might have a bird that's, like, ready to go, but it might not be configured right. Right amount of gas, right amount the hoist literally on the aircraft. So um, they got it all squared away, and they were ready to go. Um, and then my aircraft commander arrived and did the double checks, got the okay. And, we yeah, we broke ground in about an hour.
0: All right. So not only do you get the call, right? Cause you're standby, you mm-hmm. get the call, you're the first one there, but you're on aircraft mm-hmm. uh, to go in there. So do you mind taking us through leaving base and going to get them? Do you mind running us through sort of that chain of events?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so the, there was a very small amount of time that we were actually waiting for approval. So I think there was probably only like five minutes, like I would say dead space that like, okay, we've planned, we're ready to go waiting on approval. It was like, go. Uh, so walked out to the aircraft, all the stuff was prepped, started it up. No real issues, uh, maintenance wise. Sometimes you, you know, you have to troubleshoot stuff. We're pretty lucky. There was all the temperatures and pressures where there should be. Um, and the aircraft commander was running all the, the, the startup and go. He's a little bit faster than I am at that time. Uh, especially as a new guy. Uh, and I, I was doing the navigation. So I was plugging in, we had coordinates, um, from, I don't know. I think the sheriff got the coordinates from the gentleman, Kind of literally doing Google Maps kind of stuff because this guy, yeah. yeah, it was a weird mixture of like it was back tucked into these foothills like a bowl if you can imagine and people lived all around it, so but it was, you couldn't get in and out like the, it formed like a small mountain pass that they had completely snowed in, and so the sheriff was familiar with this gentleman and where this cabin was so he dropped us some points on Google Maps and I was taking that and putting it on our uh, EFB which is it's an iPad uh, with uh, flight um, software on there plug it in there and then plug it in the actual aircraft as a, as a, Garmin GPS. So I was heads down doing that while he's flying out.
0: Um, How many South- people in the crew? How many with you?
1: Um, oh, that's another thing. So we, we had pilot co-pilot uh, the two flight engineers on each side and then a flight doc. So we got the flight doc in pretty quick gotcha. too. Uh, that's a whole nother process calling them up. Like they always have somebody on standby. Sure. So call the flight doc, they come in. The guy had actually just been hunting earlier that like in the weekend uh, and so he had like he like came running in with all his hunting gear and like was changing out real quick and right. uh yeah, I think he had actually just shot an elk or something. I don't nice.
0: know. Nice. I sure hope he was able I sure hope he was able to, sure yeah. was able to get it. Whatever
1: what was, was, was legal to, for that 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 time. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he had just he just uh so he was actually on the mindset of being out in the field. He was ready to go. Uh but yeah, so we we got everybody loaded up uh with the possibility we were configured to I think we might have to get down into the trees It's it's mm-hmm. no a stokes litter it, it looks like you've probably seen them on online it's it's a litter that you can lower down via the yep. uh the hoist yep. uh, but we were quite i was trying to zoom in on the satellite imagery and see exactly where this guy was um and there were spaces in the trees and i was like i don't know i have to get oversight overhead to see if it was big enough to put a helicopter in between it just makes your life easier
0: you know you can, you're talking about trying to land
1: yeah I, I wanted i was thinking let's just land if we can yeah. so yeah. this guy especially i don't know his exact condition right we just heard Chest and, you know, stomach pain. The doc's trying to, like, do the Gray's Anatomy, figure it out thing. Like, what does that sure. actually mean, right? You know, sure. like, what if this guy's actual condition? I don't want to have to hoist him if we don't have to, right? Yeah. And they yeah, air it's commander was, more trauma, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The aircraft commander is thinking the same thing. So, um, flew up there, and it was uh, it was like twilight. So, we launched basically under night conditions. We had MVGs on. Uh, yep. But by the time, it was only 20, min- 20 minutes in route to. By the time we showed up on scene, we already had our MVGs up.
0: Yep. Um. So those are those are night vision goggles.
1: Right. right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The, uh,
0: it's all good. I got you.
1: It was a. It was pretty bright by the time we we got up, and then but in route we just we flipped them up because it was yep. it was easy to see. You could uh clearly see all the. Do so you guys remember
0: back? Like, sorry, not to interrupt, but I I go back to that episode with uh, Spanky Peterson, and the reason why they sent that Air Force Reserve crew in to go. <laughs> rescue this incredibly high asset right in in uh marcus luttrell right during red wings is that that crew had trained up a night vision goggles and had more nvg training time their reserve crew than even some active duty crews at the time because they were just doing so much of it and they were so prepared to do it and that's why it's like why'd they send this ragtag group of six dudes in reserve crew It's was like because they were the ones that were ready to go they had they just as much training time as spanky said if not more on those MVGs. So anyways, it's kind of a cool story.
1: No, for sure. Yeah. They, uh, we, we, we train, uh, you, have, you, know, you gotta keep currencies and keep, a uh, sure. of Experience up. And so we had a, a lot of familiarity, um, with the area. So my aircraft commander, he's very familiar. Like he almost, I was like, Hey, I think this is where we're going. Neither Dearborn. He's like, yep. Been, been out that way. It was nice. just outside the, the missile complex. So there's like an imaginary, uh, line, if you will, around the entire, our, part of Montana that it makes up our complex for the three forty force missile wing. Um and so this guy had actually j- just outside of it. Um mm. and he was 20 minutes southwest near the Dearborn. It was like we followed the Missouri down south and then we kind of hopped yeah further west. Flight in,
0: time from base to go get him.
1: Yeah 20, 25 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. 25 minutes nice. Yeah not not too bad actually. all right so once you get
0: down there right and you sort of get overhead do you guys realize we can land we can go down and get them what what happens then?
1: So this is a weird part. So uh, no matter what you're going to do, you want to do like a high and low reconnaissance to prepare a site, right? So it's unprepared landing site, we're not going to a helipad. Um, you got to analyze your winds, like what's my power here, like power conditions. So the flight engineers will help you with that. They'll they'll run the numbers per the technical orders and make sure uh, per the conditions, the temperature and all that and the uh, altitude where you're flying, uh, what your power will be at, what do you have to pull in your left hand? uh, like oh, you have a hundred percent available, but, uh, you know, to do a five foot hover, it's going to take 80% of that power or, or whatever, you know, whatever the conditions may be. Um, and then what hazards are in the area. Right. Uh, so you're running this in your mind. So, uh, we get overhead, we do a couple circles and we don't exactly have his cabin. There's a bunch of little cabins dotted all around the area. Like I said, it was down in a bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. and so there's like a road down there. And so we kind of looked into it. it. It snowed enough that we were concerned about a whiteout, very similar That's to talk about brownout approaches out yeah. uh, approaches. Actually, the out, wide out was pretty, pretty horrendous. Um, I I'd only experienced brownout, so I, I was new enough that I really hadn't got a good wideout approach. So we were kind of concerned about that. And, um, we shot an approach initially just to get on the ground, conserve some fuel and, uh, maybe start looking. We, we shot an approach to the center of the bowl. There was like a, a road that was pretty cleared off. We shot near that, um, came into a high hover, kind of blew out the snow and landed. Uh, and then rolled both uh engines to idle conserve some fuel and started talking like oh man like there's not a clear cut like oh it's the red cabin it's right there right. It wasn't like that <laughs> and funny enough you
0: guys do you have comms up with him like is anybody talking to him
1: so uh not with him it was indirect so we were talking to the sheriff uh we right. have a pre coordinated frequency to so, uh, speak with the sheriff search and rescue uh so we were talking to him and texting him on the way out there which is kind of a cool thing you know here stateside that you'd like you know go out, like hold like yeah. you know, button six or whatever. Like you go out your, uh, your cell phone talk that's to that's pretty sweet, uh, the sheriff. And we were, we also had the radios with him and the sheriff was still like, having trouble getting to snowmobiles, uh, in position and stuff. So it was up to us. Cause we were, we were ready to, you know, if they can uh, affect the rescue with local assets at any point, we were just going to turn back, sure. you know, um, uh, cause there's a certain amount of risk, right? Flying in a helicopter, no matter what. And we want to mitigate that. Um, and so he's like, Hey, I still can't get back there. We committed. And he was like, yeah, he was trying to get, Talk us on to the side of the mountain which he was on, a small hunting cabin. But we couldn't like we were doing a couple passes, we're flying it. I flew a little bit, and then the aircraft commander flew, just looking out. They, both flight engineers and the doc were like looking for a hunting cabin. It's Montana, it's rural Montana, and there's people all around. So we land, and all right, we're like we're gonna offload our doc and our flight engineer, and have him walk in the direction in which up the mountain would we think we saw a cabin that matches the description, right? We have this rough description of what where and when. Aware and what it looks like. Uh, funny enough, this gentleman pulls up in this like Ford and he's like in pajamas and he gets out and he just starts walking toward the helicopter. We're like, oh, okay. Hey, go grab him. Go grab that guy. Yeah. Like, I don't,
0: is that our That's probably definitive. our guy.
1: Well, we're like, is this our guy? Like, what's going on? Turns out he's the landowner he's like oh hey and, and i don't know what the guy i cannot remember the gentleman's name but he's like oh jeff lives up that way and we're like right what what do you mean and he's like yeah you know he's an older gentleman he ex- described the guy he's like in his 60s yeah, I that's
0: or something our guy, like, then,
1: Yeah. Blah, I'm like that's our guy uh he's like i think he's back up that way um and so he kind of points and so our poor flight doc and flight engineer just start walking and they end up walking a mile and a half in the snow i was just so gonna <laughs> say how
0: far are you guys from the l you're you're made yeah. up LZ, right? To where yep. you got to go find this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, uh, it was like a, something that your parents would say, like uphill in the snow. Like these poor guys sure. are walking up the hill. And eventually like one of the the locals, they were having, so they, they can move about this bowl, right? You can move it. Freedom movement was no problem, but you just couldn't get out via mm-hmm. the land, right? And yeah. so, because at one point the aircraft commander and I looked at each other like, hey, what are we doing here? Like, should we just see if they can get... The ambulance in, like, and it was it turned out it was like it was you couldn't the roads were bad that you couldn't get
0: out. Yeah, so all of their assessment was pretty accurate. You guys were the only way in and out.
1: Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a funny situation, right? And the weather's still kind of good here. Like it's bright out, the ceilings are high enough that we're comfortable. We're like, okay, cool, we'll we'll figure this out. We offload the dock. We had we had uh um an LMR, land mobile radio to the dock and the flight engineer. So we once we got back up in the air, we start circling again. We could talk to them. Hey, like where oh, you to dock? get
0: a little bit closer to them, right? So you guys right, know right, yeah.
1: And that's, and that's exactly what happened so they, um, end up more locals come out and like, Oh, I know exactly where he's at. And it turns out to be a very tiny, tiny cabin. It's, it's like a, more of like a, a shack, right? This guy kind of used, I think for hunting. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, we, we, once we find out the site, we start to once again, do the high and low reconnaissance and we find out that we don't have to do a hover. It's going to be able to get to the site, but it's pretty tight. We could just fit the Huey in these, this, uh, this clearing in the trees, um, and so the aircraft commander elected to take it and fly it himself, uh, which I wasn't too upset about. Like I said, roughly new guy. Like I didn't want to damage an aircraft first, first search and rescue out, out the gate. Sure. So, uh, yep. Shot an approach and it was basically to about a 50 foot hover above the trees. And then we just elevated down straight into the zone. Um, once again, kind of worried about whiteout. Uh, but we use the, you can use a higher hover technique to blow the snow, out, at least we'll lose stuff. And then you just get a good reference a vertical reference and bring it all the way to the yeah, zone. Cause, And
0: you're not like. You're not having to like rush down there, right? Like obviously nope. you want to get him and get him out of there safely, but right. it's not like we got to get down there now, you know. So you've right. got some time, I guess, to yeah. mitigate some of those potential problems.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that uh the guy I was flying with is he's really he's a real smooth, like just calm. He's actually got, got picked up for test pilot school, Navy test nice. pilot school. So he's a yeah, he's a real great instructor. I, I had actually known him from uh before I got to the the 40th. So Really good dude, and he was like just really calm, and he, and he flew it to the ground, no problem. Um, he let me do a lot, which was awesome. He let me do a lot, but like then it came to the real like fast tax. He he you know took it sure. for, I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna do this one man. I got like, sure. hundreds of more hours than you do, so it was cool. No, I appreciated it, and um, we landed, and then they the doc had already gotten to uh, the gentleman, found him, confirmed it was him. Uh, had, and they another the thing is they had offloaded the Stokes litter, and they had been carrying this thing up and down the hill. Oh, geez, these guys. Yeah, were working it <laughs> uh yeah and so we're in the zone um they get the guy and they only have to move him i don't know 200 yards from his cabin uh some local people actually had come up and drove him up and, and helped actually carry the guy down i think i have a picture somewhere mm-hmm. of these guys carrying him down in the litter an uh, older gentleman for sure and uh, kind of a bigger guy though so i'm glad they, they came down to help and they they loaded him on the aircraft we got everybody buttoned up um and then once again we start doing the power game like okay we now have additional weight on board uh these are the conditions we're a little bit higher than we were and then that initial approach then the bottom of the bowl uh and we we're the margins are gonna be super tight uh basically like we're gonna have to pull we have 100 available we're gonna have to pull to like 99 was wow. to get and it was called we had to do an out of ground effect hover right so uh it had to be i guess the trees were roughly about 50 feet and so um the aircraft commander had a Pull in the power and come up absolutely perfectly vertical. Cause he didn't really have any room left or right. Uh, I think it was really tight towards the tail. Right. So you're always worried about the tail rotor getting put into something. Uh, and so we came up to the tree line. I remember we like right at the top of the trees and we stopped climbing. Like we, is like call it 55 foot trees. And we stopped at like 50. We're like, Oh man. So we kind of sat there in the hover, you know, like holding it and like hoping the wind would kind of change and like he moved the tail. Got to move the tail just a little bit more into the wind and kind of just eked that last. E- that last bit. Yeah, and then wow. like up and down the hill, right? So uh, it was really good flying. Uh, really good flying his part. Uh, and uh, you know, you're, and I'm just scanning the gauges, watching for limits. There's a certain amount of time you could be at, at that power. You know, at this place at the top end that, that high. So it, it worked out. Uh, and then we started to fly home, and that's when things got uh, kind of interesting because we flew, started to fly to the mountains. Right? Uh, called back to base, like, hey, we got the guy. We're we're inbound to uh, benefits. We tried to fly directly back to the um, the hospital, but the uh, the Mercy Flight helicopter couldn't be moved. Those guys weren't even there to move the helicopter.
0: Oh, so it's on the pad you'd have to get to to drop them off at the hospital. Right. So they don't have a parking spot for you.
1: We don't have a parking spot. We're like, oh, man. We're we're like, just... fine. We
0: can tether <laughs> it down. Can we tether it down? I'm yeah, sorry, I like, no, yeah. I'm was like, i not trying to make light of it, but you can't go back. Yeah. So basically, they're telling you you can't go to the hospital.
1: Can't go direct to the hospital, which like, nobody likes, right? Like, no, he was yeah. pretty stable. The doc's like, you know, like he's not actively dying right now. He's, you know, the doc's doing his thing, but he's like, we're like, well, let's get, let's get him offloaded. It's 20 minutes. Like, yeah. let's fly as fast as we can, direct to the hospital. I was like, can we, fly, like, can we land in like a one time waiver to land in the parking lot? Like, let's go to the hospital, you know? And yeah. it wasn't going to work out. And I was like, dang. And so we ended up electing to fly to Great Falls, which is only like five minutes, Uh, but it still was kind of a bummer. And then we were in a transload on a, on an ambulance. And this was going back and over the radio as we're coming back. But also as that's happening, uh, I think I was, I was flying at this point. uh, My aircraft commander looks up and it's just, it's just like a wall of gray, angry gray, uh, you know, snow clouds, not even just like, oh, that looks like it's going to be bad. Like it's actively, you know, snowing. We're like, oh man. Uh, And so we're calling Great Falls, calling Malmstrom, like, what do you see? And like, what's the weather reporting? And uh, Great Falls is closed. Like the airport was closed to like commercial traffic and everything like that. And so the, the minimums had dropped to a point in which we're, we're starting to talk about like, okay, are we like, where are we going to go to make it legal? Even make sense. Like, you know, sure. we got our rules, but also like what makes sense, what's safe we're like and it like, we were like looking at our gas and seeing where we could divert to. And it was good enough to proceed. So we went under, under special VFR rules. Um, so it got down to about a half mile visibility uh, and the ceilings got pretty low um, on us, right down to about where our minimums are for our helicopter, right? So we're about, you know, 500 feet off the ground, about a half mile, uh, viz. and we're just trying to get back to great falls. Um, and we know, like, we're very familiar with the obstacles, So we're on the map, right. As I'm flying, my aircraft commander is on the map, looking at the known towers, the known wires, right. Kind of like, okay, this path is good. Like continue. Uh, and we're constantly talking to ourselves like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm still I can still see on this side. What about your side? He's like, no, don't make, don't turn any more to the right. Like continue this path uh, you're on because if you go more to the right, we're going to, we're going to pop into the, you know, the, the IFR conditions, the clouds. And that's, that's no good for anybody aboard. We're capable, but like I said, the icing threat was there. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's tough to fly. And, you know, we don't need to add any more complications. Um, So fingers crossed, we we made it back um, to Great Falls. And as we got into like the actual airport, aerodrome itself, it was, relatively clear just right over the airport i'm talking like i could see the end of their runway which was nice and so we we uh came back around shot the approach and that was my first true wide out like to an airfield which is actually worse than a like an unprepared landing zone because there's no like trees or bushes to use it's like concrete yeah,
0: there's and, no reference point right
1: no reference point six inches of fresh powder right and it was like oh man so it was it was pretty horrendous uh and once again i, I said like I, I was trying to fly it like i flew my last helicopter and like, they're just completely different styles of ro- approaches. So Dave, uh, the aircraft commander as an, as an instructor was trying to like talk me through it and instruct me on like, Hey, like, I know you're used to this, but do X and all that kind of stuff. But we, we made it to the ground. And then the funny thing was, I was like, cool, we're, we're good. Right. Like, awesome. Like we just made, it. he's like, you got a taxi now and, and in the Huey, you air taxi. So you got to get back up and then like yeah, blow, and the then cloud the whole way. So like the fight's never Oh, You're flying the whole time. Right. So I'm like, I'm this massive wide out cloud just on a taxi to the ambulance cause we were going to translate in the ambulance. Right. And so, uh, I was like, Oh man, it never ends. Like it doesn't stop. Like we made it here. Like, woohoo, like we survived. And then it's like, Oh, wait, I got a taxi another hundred yards in like complete whiteout conditions. Uh, so yeah, we, once we got there, uh, they were ready for us. They, the ambulance was already there. Uh, thank goodness. And so they translated him, no problem, uh, and got back. And then, so I was like, cool, we're good to go. Like we're ready to shut down. Like, and then, uh, America like, no, nah, man, still legal enough to go let's go get this aircraft back to the back to base so it can hold the alert and be ready to go so we i got i was on i was on the aircraft i was on the sticks and he's all right let's go we took off and flew back to mount which is like a five minute flight it's not it's not bad and there's lots of references in the city that you can fly back to and uh but then i had to come back and shoot another wide out approach to a helipad which was another like six inches it's a big
0: big day for you
1: i was like oh man like as far as not doing wide out i I picked a day to get real, like my training day for sure. Yeah. But uh,
0: So, but you guys got him off, right? They get him to the yep. ambulance and sort of at that point, all right, we've done our part. We head home from that yep. call. I'm just interested and you might not know. I think you probably do, but from that call at 4am to you now have got him to the ambulance. Mm-hmm. How much time? How much time are we talking about here?
1: So I don't, I don't know. I guess I could do it math backwards, but I, I heard total from his initial 911 call. It was 12 hours. Like wow. he was, he was in a bad way for like 12 hours um, which is, it's rough. It was like some, at some point during the night, he feels bad enough to call yeah, and yeah. then like goes to the sheriff and obviously it starts coming by the time he was picked up and like brought to benefits about
0: 12 hours. Wow. Incredible. All right. So you guys get back to Maelstrom and your sort of mission complete at that point, by the time you get back, you've now navigated yourself through a pair of whiteouts. So you put those <laughs> on the, the learning, yeah. learning report card, which is pretty incredible. You said your sure. wife was gone that weekend, right? So that's why you're
1: yeah, she was it's like,
0: how's work going?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it was funny. She had, she texted me. uh, I was like, said something about where she was at, right? I think she's back in Phoenix where we're from. And she was like, oh, this. And I was like, oh, me too. And I sent her a picture of like the zone we were waiting in while I, we were like kind of figuring out where is this guy? She's like, oh, laugh thinking like I sent a picture of like something about the office. Like, oh, this is uh, the office. Sure. And she's like, wait wait, are you at work right now? I was like, yeah, I'm at work. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah, Or debriefing. She's like, are you serious? I was like, yes, we got called. She knew I was on alert, but she was sure. like, oh, no way you get called. So, yeah, and it happened. So to get
0: to get to go out on this one, JC, and just be a part of something like this and just see all the moving parts that could go into it. Right. And I even think about, you know, uh, your aircraft commander, just talking through so many parts of that. It's got to be a bit of a, uh, it's a powerful day, man, to be a part of something like that. So just sure. your personal thoughts on just when you look back on it and, And look, it could have been way worse. And, but everything kind of, even with all those hiccups worked out, you're able to get that guy the care he needed. So, just your thoughts kind of looking back on it.
1: It was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, you know, it was really, um, it's not a great descriptor. It was, it was really surreal. Right. So, like I said, I spent like two and a half years, um, you know, training up and and doing, trying to do that uh, combat search and rescue mission. And, you know, obviously their motto is that others may live, you know, and, um, I, I deployed to, uh, H in support of the, uh, the withdrawal. Um, and we, I didn't get to do uh, any kind of rescue there. I didn't really get to, uh, I only played a very small part. I, I left kind of early to see my daughter, um, get my first child be, be born. So, you know, that, that was kind of hanging with me I'm like, man, you know, I wish I could have helped more people You know, all during all that chaos in August and,
0: mm. uh,
1: it, at, at Co- in Kabul, you know? And yeah. so that was kind of, it was kind of with me for sure. And, uh, getting here has been a fresh start. And then immediately right out the door to get to, um, to get to help somebody in like the community and, um, and it, you know, a lot lower threat, but it really like, it helped me like kind of put everything in perspective, some small, yeah. but we to help this guy, you know, who knows if the, you know, the sheriff could have got to him in, in time. And I, I don't know his medical status and it could have got a lot worse. Right. And so I felt, um, really blessed for that to happen. Uh, and then also talk about like world-class, world-class, like just training, like with, with our, my aircraft commander and then like his, with his experience and stuff, just talking me through it, like live as we're doing it. You know, I'm never going to get better experienced and I hopefully can pass that yeah. down the way. Right. And have that in my hip pocket and like, all right, man, like here's a, if we get in a similar situation, I can use my experience now, uh, that, you know, that my aircraft commander walked me through and just like life circumstance. So, uh, it was really surreal and, and, uh, I, and sometimes it, it was crazy. I'm like, I can't believe that happened already. I was, you know, I only got here in June and like, here we are doing, doing the thing. So, you
0: know. yeah. Maybe it's not as adventurous the rest of the way. I mean,
1: yeah, I know going, that's what
0: guys say. They're like, ah. <laughs> I hear you though, man. You know, you think back to that summer and just, you know, and, and maybe I wonder if your mindset was like, "We're going to Afghanistan. I'm going. We're going to go save a bunch of people. Like, let's go save some of these folks Right. And this terrible thing." And then that doesn't come into fruition. And I could understand why you'd be feeling like, man, I just wanted to do do some good, but to get this chance, the Lord works in mysterious ways, man. No consequences or no no coincidences. That's for. That's for sure. The way it kind of works out.
1: Yeah. I, I feel really lucky too. Cause I, I got the, not the best of both worlds, but I, I, you know, it was an interesting dynamic that, uh, so I, the, um, the, I can't say enough good things about the folks that I went with. Yeah. Um, they actually ended up doing some, some, uh, some stuff there, helping some people, not really the helicopter way, but they helped some folks there. The, the rescue unit that went, uh, I left early and they got me out just so I could see uh, my daughter, um, uh, and we actually didn't know I left within like a, a, a couple of days of the, of all like losing control of the airfield and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of worked a, work a deal. They got me on a C-17 back early cause they knew, uh, my daughter was being born. And so we had no idea. And then a couple of days later, right. The whole thing falls apart and yeah. those guys made it happen for me. Um, and so I got to be a part of it, a little smart, small part of it, but those guys helped some people. I got to see my daughter be born and then I get here, which is awesome. I love Malmstrom. I love the flying. And then I get to almost immediately uh, after I become uh, combat mission ready, you know, get, a, get through my initial training here, be a part of something small like this. It was, it was, it was cool. It's a really cool yeah. way.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great work, man. It, it really is an incredible story of picking up the six. And when we saw it, we're like, yeah, we got to talk about that on these airwaves. He's captain JC Soto before we go. Uh, I got a few texts, but you got to tell me everything you know about spy balloons. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll get you. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. get us all a yeah, guy, <laughs> Public affairs specialist. Yes, uh, no, we don't have to do that. <laughs> It's all good, man. Grateful for the time. Great storytelling, man. Really good. And, uh, and just thankful for all you've done on behalf of our nation, what, what you've been asked to do and what you'll continue to do. And just fun to talk to you today.
1: Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks for, thanks for having me.
0: He's captain J C Soto I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of pick up the six podcast.